Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. Special treat for you, the head coach of Grand Canyon. No, not not Bryce Drew. We'll get Bryce in the coming weeks. Um, Her name is Molly Miller. She's in her mid-30s. She's a mom of two. And she's an unbelievable coach. Full disclosure, my brother, Greg, who you've heard on the pod, is uh, an assistant coach there. And he'll be discussed a bunch in terms of uh, some of the fun stuff the staff is doing um, individually and how they put together a team. But she's she's had an amazing rise to prominence from being, um, you know, an assistant at Drury College to the head coach at Drury College. Her last two years there, they only lost two games combined. They didn't lose a game um, after winning the conference championship and then the pandemic struck. So they never went to the NAIA national championship that year. She comes to Grand Canyon and immediately turns things around. And, um, you know, if, if not for eligibility requirements, you know, could have been right there to go to the tournament in their first year. I think more interestingly is the style of play in which she plays, where it's kind of AAU style, right? Full court, man to man, press trying to get turns, turns into traps and playing fast, advancing the basketball, shooting quickly. Like it's how you played or how teams played when we were kids. And by and large, nobody plays that way in the men's game. Very few play that way in the women's game, but she's been able to do it and do it really, really well. She was uh, one of the finalists for the Baylor job. She's just an interesting, uh, really enjoyable person to talk basketball with. And I don't know. I don't think it's crazy to think that you know, as there is a, a continuing push for women to be involved in the men's game across the, the landscape of the NBA. And of course, there are some female assistants in college basketball. There's the at some point, at some point, a woman is going to become a head coach in men's college basketball. Could it be Molly Miller? I'm going to ask her. So I think you'll enjoy it. 
Um, I'll do some NBA on a different pod. It just doesn't feel like it fits the Kyrie stuff, the Ben Simmons stuff. We've done that. You can listen to Eric Pincus, who who joined us um, two pods ago. He's really good. In the meantime, let's catch up. This is the head coach of Grand Canyon, Molly Miller. I live from her uh, palatial office, the great Molly Miller. So, okay, there's a bunch of things I want to get to. Let me start at the beginning. Okay, because what I know, like, you know, you can read and obviously talk to my brother who works for you. Um, you played for your dad in AU, right? Yep. Okay, so growing up, where, what's he, what's he do for a living? Um, tell me about this, these first days of playing basketball. Um, so we were young. He, he was kind of a sports junkie. He did it all. Um, he played football in college. He was a walk-on. Um, at Ithaca in New York. And then he ended up getting a scholarship and actually transferring to Missouri state and kind of did the same thing. And he was like a handball champion, but he loved the game of basketball, like intramurals every, I mean, he was just, um, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. second. Do you really call it Missouri state? It's not Missouri state. Come on. It's (laughs) it's SMS. It's like, I know they've been Missouri state for, for, for a while now, but it's still, it, yeah, I mean, it, when it, I was a ball girl for yeah. Melody Howard and Jackie Styles, they were SMSU. So, yeah, they were Southwest Missouri State University back in the day. Okay, so you, you grew up Springfield, right? Yeah, yeah, Springfield, Missouri. Um, so coming to Phoenix was a definitely out of the comfort zone because I had been in Springfield for 35 years of my life. Um, but, yeah, when I was little, my dad just had a love for the game, and that rubbed off on me. I mean, probably my first basketball memory – I was five and they dragged me to a game and I didn't want to go. Of course, I think that's how everyone starts out. Like they're a little nervous and no, I don't want to do this. And uh, I think it took me till about game two where I was like, I love this. And um, like my father, I mean, he didn't have the biggest basketball frame or stature. He's about 5'10". So I learned defense really quick, his love for defense and scrappiness and um, I guess he was an ankle biter back in the day. So with my five, six frame, I had to kind of um, earn my keep through my grit and my hard work. And I just ended up loving kind of that aspect of the game, just hard work pays off and the mentality of it all. And so um, he really instilled that in me. And to this day, you know, I'll just never forget some of the things that how he coached me um, when I was about 10, um, probably nine or 10 and I was struggling with my left-handed layup a little bit. So it's like, you know, don't worry about it. You'll, you'll get stronger. You'll eventually get there. And so he knew the power of reverse psychology on me. Cause even as a young whippersnapper, I was pretty competitive. So I marched right out to that driveway and shot my left-handed layup till the sun went down and perfected it in a couple of days. So that's just, uh, that's kind of the relationship we had. He, he was a coach to me and, and a father figure and, knew how to push me without being too abrasive. And I think I've, I've learned a lot of that from him. He's very inspiring. Um, and the reverse psychology trick is always a good one to use on my kids now. So, um, okay. So Jackie, how old were you when Jackie Styles did SMS? Oh gosh. Um, I was probably about 12. Okay. So for, for people who have forgotten, <laughs> what was, how big, because Jackie Styles was the, is it, is it Kelsey Plum? Like all of these girls that are big now, like there's the one girl, like, because I think it was back when I, like I was in college, like she was the shit. That was the only one everybody was talking. She was the, pal. people see Diana, Diana Taurasi now. That's how they saw her. What do you remember about her game and about attending them? Like, what was it? 
what, what were the memories like? Again, you, I mean, you just heard stories of she would do a thousand makes a day. And to me, that's like, oh my gosh, if a kid came in here and shot a thousand shots, not only makes just shot a thousand shots a day, it's just unheard of. Her work ethic was beyond, but look, look what it did. You know, when she, when she played, she was the leading scorer before Kelsey Plum took over that record. Um, And she just, her hard work. um, And again, she wasn't like this, you know, six foot monster on the court. Um, She just worked really hard. She had one of the purest shots I've ever seen, but I think for me, the lesson in just watching her and, you know, all the glory wiping up her sweat on the court. I mean, I was a ball girl back in the day. Um, Just seeing how that hard work paid off was, was inspiring. And I think it inspired a young, a a lot of young kids like me. And now we're, we're good friends. You know, I, I, I talked to her. Yeah. Um, asked coaching advice. You know, she was just finished up at OU and now she's moved back to Springfield and doing some private lesson type things. But um, she worked for Sherry Cole and obviously she worked at Missouri State when it became Missouri State for an assistant as a while. But um, yeah, I, I, just a great human being. And so it's, it's kind of nice to watch her and then be acquainted with her and now become friends in the profession. And it's a small world. So um, a lot of those people, my father, Jackie, you know, those inspirational people that guide you um, in what I'm doing right now, you just, you hope you're making them proud and doing right by them. So um, in high school, how did you guys play? Um, you know, I naturally from my AU days would, I don't even know if we really truly had a press, but anytime, you know, we made a basket, I was turning around and finding someone and, and, and dogging the ball up the court. Like that was just naturally my instinct. So I think my coach was like, let's go with it. You know, she, she likes to pressure the ball. Let's, let's go. I was fortunate enough to play with my sister for two years in high school and in college. So we went to the same college as well, Drury. Um, and so we were kind of both on the same page a lot. We have, um, here we play kind of a turn style defense where we want to kind of, um, invite them into the traps and turn their back a little bit. And so we did that in high school. Um, we had a great team. We won two state championships. Um, we, you know, we're ranked nationally and we, we played a lot like a college team would. We had, I think there ended up being five, um, players that went on to play college ball from my high school team. So it was a lot of fun, but it was also high, high tempo, upbeat pace. And that's kind of where I had fun playing that style. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to coach it, I know what, what I had fun with. I might as well. And I know it. So teach it and coach it. And hopefully the girls buy in and have some fun. And I think they have here. Um, Okay. So you and your sister, what's it like to play so much with you? Because so my brother's four years old than me. We, it was eighth grade was really the last time I truly played. He was in eighth grade. I was in fourth grade and they, they needed, there was a tournament called the golden state tournament. And it wasn't, it was called the state championship, but it, it was me. It wasn't necessarily a true state championship because the AU teams didn't all play in it, you know, but anyway, the rules for this tournament were you had to have eight guys. You had to play at least one quarter. And so, but the age was like a, a later cutoff or earlier cutoff. So you know, a couple of the kids that they had, say they had 10 kids on a team, three of them or two of them aged out. So there were games in which you had to have eight guys. So I was the eighth guy and I would come in for a quarter and just like move the ball and just hound the ball. But I mean, I was a little fourth grade and I was a late developer anyway. So as a fourth grader, I look like a second grader, you know. Um, but my brother and I never, I think it was eighth grade was the last time that we, well, we played one-on-one and I broke my finger playing one-on-one with him, but we never played like on a team together. So your sister's two years older than you. 
two, two grades ahead of you. Uh, what was it like to, what was your experience like playing with her in terms of your relationship? Well, I'm the older one, so I'm two years. Oh, you're the old. I'm sorry. My bad. Than her. So yeah, I had to put that in there. Otherwise she might give me trouble for that. But um, I feel like I should preface, preface this by saying like, we're best of friends now. Um, but we were way competitive back in the day, even though we were on the same team, like, we were always like, we were the one uppers, you know, you call them. You're the now, one. is she taller than you, shorter than you? Uh, that's a debate in the family still. I think I still have her by a millimeter, but. How is it a debate? I mean, these are pretty definable things. Stand next to each other. Like, I feel like we stretch a little bit more or no, it really is. Like we are almost exactly the same height or my, my ponytail. Like when I'm around her, I'll make sure it's on the top of my head. You know, it's, it is still, even though it should be very matter of fact, there's still like some, you know, we, 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 are you sitting on your tippy toes? No, you're on your tippy toes. So, 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 but you weren't, were you best friends when you're in high school? Um, no, I mean, we were amicable a little bit. I, I mean, here's That's one. a no, it's okay. I have twin daughters. They don't like each other. I mean, I think for the most part, like we were just competitive. Um, but we, we kind of knew like we're blood, like at the end of the day, blood's thicker than water, but we would have some knockdown. I mean, I gave her a couple of nosebleeds, you know, elbow. She gave me a, I remember one, we were going down and, you know, she was hassling. We were guarding each other, which was the worst idea ever. I don't know why the coaches let us guard each other. Um, so she was kind of up in me, you know, and so I gave her a little elbow and actually hit her in the nose. And then she punched me in the stomach. And then it was this big deal. So we had a little brawl on the court. It was funny because our head coach at the time, he wasn't there. He was like, he was sick like one day out of the whole year. And that was the day he missed. And our assistant coach got kind of like heated, but our head coach came back. He's like, I'm so mad. I missed that. <laughs> so we've had some good little, um, you know, sisterly brawls, but it definitely made us better. And I think um, at the end of the day, probably a lot more fiery and, and um, people rose to that level of competitiveness on our team. So help me out here. You go to Drury. Why go to Drury? Um, you know, actually it was my only division two that I was considering, um, kind of, it was, I had a few mid-major offers and, um, I'm super competitive as we have noted. Um, but the thing for me is I really wanted to win a national championship. I wanted to vie for championships. And I also, I mean, the academics was important to me. Um, honestly, staying close to home wasn't the biggest factor in my decision. It was in my backyard. Um, but I knew that I could probably go mid-major and claim I went, um, you know, division one, but you know, would I have been on a team that was, um, winning multiple championships a year or would I have been able to be an all American? Um, you know, that there's those things that happened at Drury. So I was very fortunate to be able to, um, have a good relationship with that head coach. And it ended up being a great decision, not only for me as a player, but my future. I mean, that's where I started my coaching career. So um, it all worked out in the long run. And I think that choice for me, it was difficult because I could have played at the highest level, but I knew what I wanted to accomplish for my personal goals and my goals as a team. And um, winning was really important to me. Um. Uh, so how'd you guys play there? Did you guys press there? Yeah. I mean, when I coached, um, we definitely, no, when you played, when, when you I played. played, 
it was, yeah, it was similar. I mean, probably not as intense as what we're doing um, now, but there was that same concept. You just couldn't really reel me in. So <laughs> we just kind of went with it. And I had some actually teammates that played on my high school team, a couple of kids that played on my high school team, and then some um, on my summer team play at Drury. So we kind of, the style was ingrained in us when we got there. So we kind of ran with it. Literally, um, we we did some full court pressing and trapping and Again, high, high volume type basketball, lots of possessions, push pace. So you get done playing and what was the decision like to go into coaching? Um, not the normal, you know, I think I, I didn't think I was going to coach because in my mind you had to get, and my dad's a counselor and a, a teacher. So, um, you had to go through and get a teaching degree and then you had to coach like seventh grade PE and science and work your way up. And for me, I just knew I was a huge people person. Um, I wanted to kind of go into marketing, into the corporate world. And so I got my MBA at Drury and I ended up as the marketing director for a group of neurosurgeons in Springfield and um, did that. So I was in the corporate world for like three years and the assistant job came open at Drury and people are in my head like, you should really think about this. And I'm like, so, so where are you working at the time when, when the assistant job came open? I was, a, I was the marketing director um, for this neurosurgery group. And so I was three years in and I enjoyed it. I was doing, you know, the things You're that- 25? Like, PR. Um, no, at that, that point in time, I was uh, 23, 24. Yeah. Okay. So you're 24 years old. You're marketing director for a neurosurgery place. Mm-hmm. The Drury assistant job comes up in. Yes. It which comes could up. not have paid a ton of money. No, I took, I took a put, I took a pay cut, like a big pay cut. Like this was like a leap of faith for me because I, again, I didn't, I loved coaching. I thought I had a great basket or I love playing. I thought a great basketball IQ really enjoyed the game, but I just didn't think that was like the next step for me. And so when everyone was kind of in my ear planting these seeds, I was like, really? I like, I could start as an assistant at the collegiate level. Like I thought you had to, you know, work your way up or you'd be a GA and go through that whole thing. And um, so I went in and talked to the the head coach at the time. I was like, would you encourage this? And he was like, heck yeah, I'd encourage it. And I'm like, okay. So I knew I loved the game. And here I was at my alma mater with the chance to coach, you know, you hear some coaching stories and, um, it's a tough profession, but I knew I was going to be supported from the get go because they had watched me grow up. Right. And so they were going to be in my corner. I'm like, that's a, that's a good positive. And again, I loved the game and I actually liked my marketing gig and I was still young and hungry and fresh. I wasn't like needing a change. So, you know, after some prayer and thought and a gut feeling, I took the pay cut and the rest is history, but I don't think I'm going back to the corporate world. I really enjoy this coaching gig. <laughs> yeah, it's going, it's good. Some of the seems to be working out. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so uh, how'd you get the head coaching job? Um, So the head coach went to a different school and... um, His name is... Steve Harold and he coached me my last year. And so when he went to St. Joe, um, the job was open and, uh, this was my second year. So I was super green, but like, I, I'm a leaner inner, um, and I knew I could do it. So I went to, um, you know, the, the VP of athletics and kind of talked to him and like, they gave me a, it was probably ended up being a courtesy interview and hiring a, a different guy. And, um, I was still his assistant. So, I had coached at Drury under two different coaches and he really, he was only there a year. Um, and you know, there was some, there was some family stuff that I had to do a lot of the, the work that a head coach does, you know, reconcile a budget plan, scheduling, recruiting plans. So, um, that helped me, um, going into, um, what is now my head coaching career is I got to dabble in a lot of different things at Drury as an assistant, and so then the second time the job became open, they gave me the nod, you know, I was, I was 27 years old and um, one of the youngest coaches um, in that head coaching position, but I believed I can do it and I had confidence I can do it. And that was huge for me. Just knowing like, don't question your age, you're, you, you can do this. And so that was something for me that when they believed in me that time, I was going to prove them right because, you know, I didn't quite get the nod the first time, but the second time, I guess some persistence and perseverance paid off. Okay. So um, how do you put together a practice plan and, and put together a staff? Like you've been in the business, you know, two years. How did you, how'd you decide to do that? Um, you know, the first thing for me was, was building relationships. Like here I am like not even five, I mean, five years older than some of these seniors, um, definitely couldn't be, you know, the mother figure that a lot talk about. So I had to, um, have them gain some trust in me. And the way I did that initially was just some of those individual conversations. And, 
you know, I had been there and, and done that. So we were going to play the style that I knew um, that the jury was kind of used to and known for when I played. So that transition was easy. And then I'd already developed some relationships with the current players um, because my um, my being an assistant coach and then, you know, the recruits, they they believed in me and we got some really good ones those first couple of years. I mean, two in particular that are now having their jersey retired um, and were one was the division two player of the year and the other was an all American and one of the best defenders that I've ever coached. So who's that? Deja Bernard and, and Haley Disselkamp, they were um, great for the system. And when they came in, they started all four years and, and really helped um, take the program to the next level. Um, recruiting was something that I felt like I could connect with the kids and I felt like I could be really good at. And honestly, both of those could have probably had their choice at any mid-major, but um, they believed in the system and what we were doing and and me and um, the program. So it was nice to have them come aboard. And um, that gave me a lot of confidence knowing that I could recruit the type of players that, well, one, were, were like-minded and good people, like, and would enhance culture, not take away from it. I, I just knew that was probably a wise beyond my years type thing. Like, I'm not going to take just the best basketball player. Um, I want them to be able to put the round thing and the orange thing, but I know that I've got to have some good, high quality character people, especially in my young career to make this thing smooth and develop a program that's reputable and people want to come be a part of. And then that's when you get the, the good basketball players that can do both, take care of the business in the classroom, on the court, and be a good person while pursuing their degree. So your last two years there, you lost two games? Yeah, is that right? We were, yeah, we were undefeated um, the last year. I, I mean, I, we were marching to a national championship. I'm not sure anyone could have contended. Uh, we were just stacked and had the experience and had the talent and had the will, the kind of that fire in our belly. So that COVID, that was rough. Um, I still, I don't know if we'll ever get closure because that's something that not a, a lot of coaches will get to experience um, in there. So your, your last, your last game before COVID shut down was where and when? It was that we competed in the conference championship. So we won the conference championship for the fourth straight year, you know, that had never been done in history. And um, we were about to play, we were going to host the regional round the next three games. So that was something that was huge. You had to earn that in, in division two. So we were first in the region, first in the nation. We were actually at our shoot around, like our practice before the game. And, um, my AD taps me on the shoulder and kind of tells me, and it's like unbelievable at this point, You're like, no, I, okay. Let me know if you have any updates. Like we were going to continue, like, there's no way this thing is getting canceled. Um, but no, I was like, yeah, they, they just talked about it and you know, they're shutting everything down. And so it was a blessing that all, we were all there at the same time. We didn't have to like part of them saw on social media or had to make individual phone calls or call a meeting. And they're wondering why. So we stopped practice. We got in a circle and bawled our eyes out. Like it was just a traumatic. Crazy. <laughs> so um, when did you become aware of the GCU job? Um, I, I got a call um, from the search firm and it was actually like, Hey, the, here's this job. And honestly, my mind right there, that was like a week or so after you know, the devastating cancellation of the tournament. Um, so in complete honesty and transparency, initially I was like, you know, I, 
got some unfinished. Thank you so much, you know, for even considering me, but like it, I, it was raw for me. I was still very emotional. I was like, I, we've got unfinished business here. Like I'm going to come back with these kids and we're going to go compete for a national championship. And honestly, that's, I think that's a good thing that that motivated me more than level or money or making the the jump. Um, so I was really motivated by winning with the people that I knew I could recruit and wanted to recruit and could do it the right way. Um, so it was kind of like that for now. Um, and then I got, you know, another call like, Hey, let's like kind of talk through some of this. And I educated myself and I thought that was fair to, okay, listen that what could that hurt? Um, thank goodness. You know, I did because I realized that this is kind of, maybe I could make an impact on an even broader scale and have a bigger reach at this point. Um, And the more I got to know about GCU and kind of the mission of the school and the standards that really aligned with my personal beliefs. And so that was something that initially attracted me. And I just found out more and more and more about like the, the bells and whistles, the, the resources, the facilities, the commitment to basketball. I mean, here we are the marquee sport, Um, and to me, then that was a place I could win at. And so it made a lot of sense. It was a nerve wracking jump to leave your alma mater, leave a place you'd been your whole life and move to a completely different part of the country. But what a great experience I've had so far. And it's just been a real treat to be able to come here and, um, expand my knowledge and my wings and um, get out of my comfort box a little bit and try to make an impact here and and put GCU women's basketball on the map. Um, Okay. So when you're going to install your system and you talk about turns, so the basics of it are defensively, you're picking up man to man, Mm -hmm. full court, face guarding. Yes. Do you have a person on the ball or, or are they in the back? Um, there, they can do either. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of instinct. There might be a quick basket and they're right there and they can turn over the ball or typically on some more dead ball situations, we'll maybe put them behind the first line so they can protect the line long ball. Um, but there's a bunch of different tweaks we can do, but the, yeah, the basic premise is we want to make it hard for them to get the ball in. Once it is in, we want to kind of coax them to a, a trap, whatever that means. And um, that could mean, you know, your man's behind the line of the ball. You can put a little bit more pressure. That could mean they can't see you and they're making a turn and their heads, um, your, their backs to you, or you're, you're so close you could guard too, you know, which might not be a full on trap, but there's a lot of technique involved. People see like, oh, this is just a run and jump system. It's like so much more than that, but it's so much, it's organized chaos. And we work on it daily and we really practice the details, which I know people always say like the devil's in the details and you focus on the details. This really is like broken down to even how our like hand positioning is like, are they straight? Are they bent? Are they closed? Are they wide? What are your hand? What is your hand position? I mean, it is a wide athletic, like I want to see almost like webbed fingers are so spread out and strong. So we deny the crossover because we want kids to turn their back. So, um, you know, I call it an extended measuring stick. So we're really extended with our, our dig hand to deny that crossover and the other hands really wide trying to hassle any passing lanes. Um, so as long as you, the premise is you want to deny the crossover, if you can deny that quickest move in basketball, 
then they have to do something else, which is a a little bit slower and B you have a chance for someone else to come in and and trap them on a change of direction move. Um, if it's not a crossover. So, you know, you you spend hours working on on ball defense and what that looks like before you even get to the trap, because that has to be right for, you know, you kind of build layers on this defense. So you really have to get it right layer by layer before you move on. How do you, how do you have transition defense? Like your point guard, always back and then the bigs guard the ball uh, or the, the whoever's back is back. Like how, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, offensively we're, we're doing a little bit of motion. So you'll typically have one guard that's there at the top of the key, but we know who our best defenders are. We want them to get up and I call it big dog. We want them to big dog the ball right away. So, um, you know, you kind of are aware of who you want your ball Hawks to be just on the ball, working it. Um, and then transition defense wise, I mean, we'll, we'll sprint back and fine, but we're always picking up the ball. So I think we always tend to slow teams down initially. So they don't really get into a quick transition flow. So we're always looking for that ball, um, to stop. And then, you know, our best defender kind of work that ball down the floor and then everyone else is in the passing lanes, really making it hard. And they're not really even at that point off to the ball too much. They're really job is to not let their man catch so we rely a lot on our on-ball defense and not getting beat there um now once they get into that half court we'll go more of shell like gaps and help side and all that but initially on the way down we want to make any entry pass super difficult um okay so then offensively you want to advance the basketball like that's your that's big point of emphasis right yeah, so funny. I, I, I mean i always talk with you know, your brother my staff we're like gosh, we want them to play so hard on defense that they might take breaks on offense. We're like, they can't because we want to run in transition. So, you know, conditioning is a big deal around here too. So how do you, okay. So let, let's start with the, with the conditioning. How do you, how can you condition? Cause like, you know, when we played, everybody always say like, you can run as much as you want. It doesn't get you in basketball shape. Right. Yeah. So how is it, is it a price? Is, are you doing both? You're still running like now season's going on, you're still doing running and having practice for basketball conditioning. How do you, how do you continue to build on the conditioning from the preseason? Yeah, I mean, preseason, you are working some off court stuff, but I, we saw it yesterday. We're like, gosh, we're not in shape yet, but we could probably, we could go out and run a six thirty mile, but we're not in basketball shape. So what we're doing, is, uh, the nature of how we play will tend to get you into shape because we play so hard and so fast. So um, even the drills we do, they're going to be, you know, pretty, pretty tiring for the kids. Um, but right now we talked, we, we need to get up and down more. So at the end of every practice, we're going to try to scrimmage a lot and do, it might look a little sloppy than we want it to. So we might want to say we're not ready for scrimmaging, but purely from a conditioning standpoint and getting up and down and feeling that pace, um, we're going to start to just roll the ball out a little bit and let them play and get up and down live just to get that basketball conditioner you referenced in. Um, what is it like to take over a new club? Like, um, obviously all different levels are different, but again, you look across the hall and Bryce, you know, he's actually maybe coming down a level from Vanderbilt, but he has, he has a huge name. He has a huge presence, but he's also, he's taken over somebody else's club. That's different and unique for you. You have a completely different style. You're a relative unknown. Um, there's more girls on scholarship than our guys in scholarship. So there's more. And, um, and we're in, you know, I'm, I'm just interested in terms of coaching players that you did not recruit. What's that experience been like? 
You know, when I first got the job, I just knew that the most important thing that I could get from these kids was trust. And if they trusted me, they'd buy in. So COVID actually was a big blessing in disguise. I thought taking over a program in a pandemic where I couldn't like literally get my hands on them and get on the court and show them what the brand looked like. We were going to be so far behind, but I think it, it naturally made us talk a little bit more. I mean, we had zooms. I was in Missouri. They were in Arizona or Spain or like wherever home was. And so for me, we just talked a lot. And then I showed a lot of game film, like this is how we're going to play. So they had a really good understanding and foundation of what it was going to look like. And I got them excited about it. I'm like, look at all your faces. You all have the opportunity. This isn't a team that's only going to go seven deep, you know, in February, March, like a lot of teams do. This is a team that's going to have to rely on a lot of players to come in and play. So all of you have the opportunity. So I think that initially was like, oh, this style is going to be fun because I'm going to get a chance to be on the court. Everyone wants to play. That's where a lot of these kids happiness derives from. I mean, sure don't get a lot of you know complaints if but how do you balance that out with now your star players aren't going to play as as long and um in addition to that they might not put up the numbers because they won't have the volume because it's shared so much based upon the pace of play and the style of play yeah i mean i think at this level i'm not dealing with pros you know the ones that'll go to the next level and so you want they were they were like i need a breather and i always say like hey you need a breather come back out. Let me know when you're ready. And probably there's an next person up for a breather. So it's a really a, a good rotation and they enjoy it because it's kind of a dominating style. It, you know, you're going to, you come up you're on imposing the your will. The, the team has yes. to you beat like, you at the way that you play. I think um, when they start scouting you, you're already ahead on the scoreboard. They dread the pressure. They dread what's coming. And so I think our kids enjoy that. You know, what's, you know what's funny about it. And I don't know how you were as a player. I mean, personally, anybody played that way, it was over, it was a wrap. Like you could not, couldn't press me. So I would have had the opposite, but I do know that, that, that when it's, when the, when you just keep coming at somebody in waves and waves and waves, um, I think that that can definitely wear you down, not just physically, but also, also mentally. Um, okay. So now you're, you're only entering year two. Okay. So turning over a program, to look like your program normally takes a couple of years. The difference obviously is the transfer portal. You've lost some, you've gained some. Um, how close to the roster composition is what you ultimately envision are you right now? You know, for us, we have a lot of um, new bodies this year. We have 10 new ones. It was unique because when I got here, they did not have a 2020 class. So they hadn't signed any freshmen. Zero, zero. And then this was like in April, May. So initially I was like, oh, oh goodness. Like we, we don't have 2020 class. Um, But now that I kind of reflect it, I'm trying to look at it as a positive, although it would have been nice to have, you know, you know that you're, you have a class and right now our classes are a little uneven. So we need to try to even them out. But, you know, I brought in two freshmen and they both started. So I'm like, okay, this is a, this is a good start. And Tierra Brown, like she, she's going to be one of the best players in the conference and she fits this system to a T and she'll be a sophomore this year. And I think for, for me, I'm still, it was kind of almost a lost recruiting year for the 22s. And I think we have some great 22s. In fact, we've got the number 10 player in, in Texas coming. 
Um, but we've got a lot of great um, foundational pieces to build on. Now, you know, you just kind of need that next level athlete. Now that I'm in Arizona and we can finally get out, I want to recruit regionally. You know, I was relying on some of my Midwest ties, which is not a bad thing. I love Midwest basketball player and they're hard nosed, but if we've got great kids here in our backyard, I want to keep them in our backyard. So you're um, still looking to evolve a little bit. I think finally in this 23 class, I've been settled. Now we can get out and see. I think that's when you'll really start to be able to turn into what you really want as players that complement the system. But I was fortunate enough to inherit really great players. I mean, our, our guards and even the post players that, that I inherited, they fit into the system. Like, and they were excited for the system. They're like, Oh, this is what we played in high school. Or this this is what I played in AU ball. So um, I was really fortunate. And I told those kids, you know, I don't want you I inherited you and you're already here. I didn't recruit you, but now you're my kids. You're my kids. And I think that can happen sometimes is, oh, you know, maybe she doesn't want us or care about us because she didn't recruit us. And that's actually quite opposite. And I think even the returners um, from, from previous before I got here, they feel like they are meant for the system. I mean, I would go recruit them again, because they, they've learned the system and play it so well. So um, I got very fortunate just being able to, I had to flip their mindset a little bit because, you know, they were about in the fifties, low sixties and possessions per game. And I had come from Drury where we were like nineties. So, you know, you had to flip their mindset, but they're very capable and able to play the system, which was fun. And they bought in, which was even more fun. You know, the mid year, they're like, coach Miller, we've never been number one in the nation in anything. And here we were number one in the nation in turnovers forced and number two in steals. So they had some fun with it and then they saw that it works. And so then they latched onto it and they were excited to play that type of system. How are you a mom of two and doing all this? Um, I wish I could clone myself. I'll tell you that right now. Let me know when that technology is available. But you try to blend them both. It's hard because China, by the way, I think China has that. Just, okay, just, okay. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to coach there anytime soon. I mean, <laughs> I like Arizona, um, but for me, it was. I, how do I blend the two? And it's hard because you feel like every, especially as the head coach, everyone needs your attention. And I really want to elevate this program. So my external fairs are vast, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get on podcasts and do clinics and do pregame for the Suns. went to the diamondbacks game, you know, just do all those things externally that's required of a head coach. But then I also want to show attention to my biological children, but also the 17 other children that I have from my basketball family. So um, it's a lot, but you know, I've, I've, I feel like I've got the energy to do it. I've got the passion to do it um, as much as I can bring my basketball. So like, okay. So like what time do you get up in the morning? Well, I'm doing 75 hard. I know you know that with your brother um, we're doing that. So you have to get two workouts in. So you try to get a workout in before the kids wake up. Um, my kids. So, are so that's what time? So what time do you get up? Six ish. Um, okay. You do alarm or you automatically roll out? No, I've got to do an alarm. I mean, I'm not tired. <laughs> okay. So, so six, you roll out and I'm sure your husband's like, yeah, thanks for waking me up with your alarm. <laughs> like, and, it's so nice right now. So outside dogs are my, my, my jam at six. Um, okay. So you get up at six, you go for a run. So, well, it's 
hour. I mean, 45 minutes is what we have to do, but you know, you, you get to cool down and warm up in there hour. <laughs> so, so how, how far do you run in that, that period of time? Now you're grilling me like this is embarrassing. So I'm no, it's right not. Now, like, I don't, I don't run unless I'm chased. Okay. I'm, I'm swimming eight miles run. in my 45 minutes. Eight miles is amazing. No, 4.8, not eight. 4.8 miles. 4.8 miles is amazing. 4.8 kilometers is amazing. I think that's like, um, remember I have a tour. I, I tore my ACL. Like I, I'm not, I still am like a month away from being clear, three weeks away from being cleared to run. So, but I wouldn't run anyway. Like, I don't know why anybody <laughs> runs, but I do like, okay. So you roll back in, it's seven fifteen ish, right? Yeah, so my, my daughter. Kids are up. Yes. Um, and my husband's great. Derek's awesome. He'll like get them breakfast and everything. Sometimes it depends on the day. Cause me and Greg have this thing. We'll do some yoga. We, we're liking yoga now. Um, uh, there's an evening class, but I also, if I need to like, if I know my days long and I need to hammer out my two workouts, like we live right by the gym. So I'll jog to the gym and I'll do my 45 minutes of weights. So sometimes it could be eight or seven, but um, Crosby has to go to school at eight. If I don't do my run early, uh, we live by the school. So we'll jog Crosby to school. If I have time, if I don't like and have a work obligation or something. So the mornings are kind of flexible, but I try to get my workouts in the mornings and my, um, and then your, your kids, or what, what, what do they like? What do they eat? Yeah. Like, like I remember that age, mine were pancakes, waffles. Like it was a big breakfast every day or Cheerios, whatever. And then that's the hard part is, and you're trying to manage the diet is you come in, you're hungry and there's like a bunch of food sitting around. And you're like, yeah, I don't know, but it's kid food and you, you pick it up. Right. It's very normal. Well, my kids actually are phenomenal eaters. Like they love salmon, like they live eggs and um, wow. spinach and peppers. Like they're really good. In fact, ride my- that out, ride that, ride that out. Cause once they get the well, taste, no, of the, once was- it gets the taste of the sugar, they're just like, no, 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 no. This stuff tastes so much better. I know. I heated my mom's advice. She was like, do not give them sugar. You know, when they get into school, you probably can't. So my five-year-old, the first time she had like a cupcake, she was four, like in school. And my my one and a half year old still hasn't had ice cream, cupcake, because they don't know what they're missing. Like, no, I know my, my son was he was in he was in kindergarten. He went to a birthday party. Yeah. And I couldn't find him. And I looked in the very, very back of the and he was like eating candy. It was like <laughs> he never liked candy before. And you could just see like where have you been all my whole life? Then you go to work at what time? Um, it, it depends. If I can get a little bit of morning time with my kids and take Crosby to school, that's 8.15. So, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll try to do film, like not at work. Like I've done that before where I drop her off at school and I've kind of been doing this like trendy thing, maybe going to a coffee shop or something. That's been some good like me time because I don't feel like I'm, you know, in four wall, like I just feel kind of cool, but I'm doing, totally. I've done that. Um, and that's been fun. So, you know, you get to work. I like, if I drop my kids off, I'm about 20 minutes from school, eight thirty. like you're nine ish. Um, or if I don't drop my kids off and I get everything in, then you can get a little earlier. Um, but then all my mornings are filled with like meat. Like that's where I meet. Like I tell my Dobo, like do my meet- meetings in the morning. So whether it's marketing or, you know, stuff like this podcast, or I, there's a lot of coaches that kind of want to get in the know and I'll, I'll be able to get on the phone and talk to them or recruiting calls with coaches. Um, and then we have practice at one. So we're typically meeting as a staff around 1130, um, 11-ish. And so then- what are your, what are your, do you have rules? Like, do you have to wear GCU gear? Do you have to wear? A- for my staff or for the? For your like- staff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an unwritten rule. I've never told them you have to wear GCU gear, but I think they, but I've been like coach Sutton used to, you had to wear pants in the office. Oh. 
No, you know. Charleston, Arizona. So that's like. Yeah, that'd be way hot. And I want them to feel like they could go out and rebound for a kid in a split. Like that to me is important. So just be comfortable. Um, so if they're um, available to rebound or a kid comes in, they want to get some shots up. Like, I think, I think whatever, you know, is that, I don't have, I've never had to even go there. My staff's never been sloppy. So, you know, that's never been a concern of mine, but um, yeah, the only thing like, don't wear different schools, you know, that's pretty obvious. Well, the good thing is you guys don't truly have like a true arch rival. So there's not like a color, like, you know, if you're, you know, how it is like in a big school, you can't even wear the color yeah, of right. the rival school. Like that doesn't like what, the, but the color represents the school. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for, or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, do you think you could coach guys? Yes. You know, what is so crazy about this? I mean, I love coaching girls. I don't know if I'd want to coach guys, but, um, when I do these clinics, sometimes I have to use the, the males because NCAA compliance and rules. So, um, just this past month I did the Nebraska clinic and, um, I did the point guard college clinic and I used guys and a bunch of people came up to me after was like, I think you'd be so great because you know, there's just a way to communicate and guys are a little too cool for school, but I never let them get in that mindset. I'm like, Hey, I need you to be a good teammate. And like my energy, it was kind of cool to see how they responded to me, honestly, because I think that I thought they were just going to like mope through the motions here. They were demonstrators like, Oh, how, like you could only imagine like 
their excitement to be demonstrators for all day at this clinic. But I really got a lot out of those guys when I've been doing these clinics. So it's been kind of fun. Even one emailed me after the clinic, like, Hey coach, I really actually took a lot from what you said. And I'm going to be watching you guys. I'm like, I'm going to keep up with you too, my man. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> what do you think the, the biggest challenge would be? Um, you know, I, I think from flipping from a bunch of, um, you know, when you coach, women's basketball, like they're perfectionists and they want to please you. And you can tell they want to please you. I think guys oftentimes, you know, maybe they are in it to kind of the look and the feel and they're, they're going to work hard, but I don't know. Girls are just such pleasers and they don't want to let anyone down. You know, I think, I, I think there, I think there are guys like I can only take from my perspective. I think there are, you do want, it, it depends. Like my last game, we lost the elite eight and I didn't, he, four years later, they went to the final four, but we thought that was his last chance, you know? And, and I've talked to my teammates in the 20 years since, and they've all to a man said like, you know, I was most uh, two, three reasons I was saddest that we weren't going to play together anymore. And that I let him down. Right. So I do think that that exists. And I understand the culture of the sport, especially the ends is, is probably taken a little bit of a straight for the worst. I think you have a lot more of that team, not as much in the women's game, I think women's mentality is a little bit different, obviously. Um, I just wonder, yeah, yeah, would they be distracted? Are they playing? Are they playing for us? Are they playing with an agenda? But I actually think that's one of those things where you would, that's not any different than any other male coach coaching men is trying to get guys to not play for any agenda other than the team and winning, right? That's that challenge is not unique and different in men's basketball for you or for anybody else, how do you think recruiting would be? Um, you know, identifying talent, I think would be pretty much the same, but you know, I, I really focus on when I recruit, um, the relationship on not just basketball level. Um, you know, I think, I think guys, for example, they would come and, and they would walk on a team just to play ball, just to play ball. I don't think you're going to get, too many girls to walk on a team unless, you know, they felt part of something and a bigger purpose and cared about and you know, like emotional connection. So, um, I mean, I mean, you go, go to the YMCA and look who's playing pickup ball, you know, right now there might be a, a few females sprinkled in, but you know, guys, they just want a ball, you know, and they want, they want to be a part of the team and play basketball. And I think, you know, that's something that's different from the women's game is like they want to really feel a part of something. And it's it's bigger than just the basketball game. Like it's about so. So how do you how do you change your personal approach when when the sport, though, the the rules are almost the same sport is different in the mentality. How do you change that approach? You know, I, I still think relationship would be like a unique thing to build that maybe others aren't talking about. So I think even. You know, knowing that you've got a head coach that has your back, um, has the team interest at heart, but also has your personal interest at heart. You know, I think a lot of almost every guy maybe thinks they could go pro. And um, I every, think everyone that's a little different yeah. than a girl's game. So, you know, every single <laughs> one like you go in, you know, there's like three. The, the, the math does not even work. Right. There's 300 <laughs> teams. You'll go into the shittiest team's locker room and you'll, you'll speak like, hey, can you talk to my guys? Like, how many guys think you're pros? And they're all like. No, no, really, no, really. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, do you have any idea how hard it is? Like there's yeah. 8 million people. There's, uh, you know, 450 
NBA players and everybody thinks they can, if not, well, I'll go overseas. Like, <laughs> you know how hard that is because there's a whole world out there competing for the same jobs. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm decently good at like some role definition and why it's important. And um, that would have to be obviously overemphasized. You can't have 15 pros and all stars on the team. So, you know, that that's part of relationship building and trust in the process. And, um, you know, I'm sure there would be different agendas, but, you know, just again, looking out at the end of the day, we're all human. We all want to be cared about and looked after. And a lot of good things can come from that when it comes to playing hard for your coach, for your teammates. And I don't think, I think that crosses men and women. Um, how do you guys do it? What's the secret to getting the kids at the games? Cause Cause the, the attendance, it's one thing. It's obviously a very cool thing what the men are able to do, but what you guys are able to do at your level, having not made an NCAA tournament cause you weren't eligible, you know, last year, you're putting what three 3,500 in the building every night. And then even bigger for the big night. Like how, what's the secret? How do they do it? It's just a really unique community. Um, you know, the ha- Havocs is kind of self-made by students. And that's what probably makes it so special is their ownership there. You know, they're not re- they're not a part of the athletics department. They're, they don't report to anyone um, in athletics like that is a student ran group. So, you know, they they recruit on welcome week. They have their 10 out and freshmen are walking by and they're like, Hey, like come these, you can be a part of something fun. We have fun. We cheer on our teams. I think the unique thing compared to other schools is, you know, you're on campus for four years. So they have on-campus housing um, for freshmen through seniors. And so you are on campus, you are 50 yards away from the baseball stadium, you know, hundred yards away from the basketball facility. You can go across the street to see soccer. So there's a lot to do on campus and you're right there. You don't have to get in your car and drive anywhere. Um, so I think that's really unique to GCU that they're on ground all day, every day. And so why not come to games and support and they make it fun. So they make it an event, you know, I, people have FOMO. They don't want to miss out on all that fun that's happening. The choreographed dances, the cheers, the the purple pregame party. I mean, it's it's become a thing. So, you know, once something becomes popular and there's a, a demand for it and it just grows, then um, they're really doing a good job. And I, I couldn't be more proud of the students because they're all they're all organizing it. Um, this havoc leaders are and so there's no there's no like credit given to students for showing up at a game they can't get like school credit or anything (laughs) no there's no there's no credit um but they have fun like they want to the incentive is basically like come be a part of this really special group that's good clean fun you know here we are at a at a, a great university and have great sports teams to support and vice versa. We we're trying to get ingrained with the Havocs. We want to support the Havocs. We want them to know that we have their backs and we're really appreciative of what they do. So I think that's two way street makes it work also. Gino or Pat Summit? <laughs> well, I wish I knew them both. Um, I think Pat is obviously um, a groundbreaker and as a female, what she has done for the game is incredible. I think Gino is so wise. You know, you, you could just listen to him speak and talk and the way he communicates. Um, I loved, I mean, obviously you always grew up watching UConn and, and Tennessee and um, those battles, but just what Pat 
did for women in the game. I mean, she set the bar. And so definitely one of my inspirations. Best coach that like, I wouldn't have heard of. You're like, this is, this, this is an incredible coach that you should, people should study. Um, I don't know if you, you, you might've heard of her, but because I grew up in the backyard, Cheryl Burnett, she's the one that took SMSU to the final four with Jackie. One of my favorite quotes that she said that I, I feel like I use every day in my practices is penetration or, or sorry, repetition penetrates even the dullest of minds. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you don't just talk and say it like repetition, actually doing it that will stick. Um, you know, not that you're saying your, your players have dull minds, but to the point, you know, you, you gotta be doers and you do it often. And that's what we'll teach. Not just, so I try not to like take up all the air in the room and explain a drill or explain something. And that's where one of my staples comes from skinnies. So a skinny is a drill within the drill. So like, let's say we're doing a shell drill. I'm getting a little off topic here, but we're, no, not, okay. we're not doing closeouts. Great. Um, instead of being like, Hey, get down in a stance on your closeout and then continue with the shell drill or like, Hey, high hand, short closeout a little flirt, and continue with the shell drill. We'll stop. And we'll do like a two minute quick, everyone, like one or two reps of the perfect closeout. And like, that's how I want this to look when we go back in this drill. Got it. Sure. And so that kind of stems from that repetition penetrates even the dullest of minds. Like they're not getting something rep what you want them to do. Don't like yell at them. Don't do so that um, I've always admired Cheryl Burnett. The other thing when I was a ball girl, obviously she'd come down and shake all our hands and she would give me the firmest handshake. She'd look at me in the eye, firm handshake. Good to be here. And so like now just that firm handshake and look her in the eye, kind of some of those old school things that you miss. So do you do that when you come out to the court? Do you shake everybody's hand? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, last year it was like, air. Was, oh yeah. Harry. Okay. Yeah, you're doing I don't the knuckles. Know what's, what's gonna be common or normal anymore? Like just high fist bump, air high five. We'll see. But um, yeah, that was definitely instilled in me from her. Um, okay, so coaches all and you're you haven't been doing it maybe long enough, but they all have I found you, we, the profession creates quirkiness, mm-hmm. right? Be, especially when you're the head coach, like you're able to just like, hey, I always want to do this, so I do it. Like I coach a team even in in Israel. And I was, I kind of, I was like, I always liked being the last one to the bus when I was a player, but that's a very dangerous thing. If it's not your team, if you're not the guy, but I was always like, when I step on that bus, we are going right. Or, you know, there's, I like, I like music, but I'm going to control the music. Um, you know, I like to kneel on one, one knee when I'm coaching or stand up because I can see it better. I almost never sit down. Again, these are very, you coach for years and over a much longer period of time. And you have, but what, give me one or two things that are quirky about you that you're like, I, I do this every time I coach. I don't really know why, but now it's just my thing. <laughs> I'm kind of opposite of you. Like, I really don't care. Like, I don't care what the kids wear. Like, I'm not particular when it comes to like, I have to wear, you know, these socks or superstitious or anything like that. Um, what I do is, you know, I kind of have a, a pregame routine where, you know, I like to wake up, we'll do shoot around or whatever. I like to do game film before, um, then get to the gym, do some game film in the office. But like, I don't know if I have, I do, I sit on the third seat on the left side of the bus and I don't know where that came from, but I just, I did that. Okay, when you guys, 
Wait, okay, so you're on the bus. Is anybody allowed to sit next to you? You want to sit by yourself? Well, typically I have a car seat and then one over and then all my stuff, like my husband's in front of me. And then we've got like, you know, you, you pack the whole house and home when your family travels with you. So literally probably the four seats surrounding is taken up with kids crap. <laughs> um, when you guys lose, do you do the nobody talks in the bus thing? Um, you know, no, I don't say you can't talk. I, I am, I have my headphones on and I'm watching game film probably because I, I don't want to get upset. Like if, you know, if I hear laughter, that's not me. I don't like, that's fine. You know, it's, but that's not me. So I am really just locked into what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I have a saying, like, I want to cry when we win and cry when we lose, but you know, I, I mean, I, I haven't lost a lot, so that's probably why it stings so bad. <laughs> know, it's, it's not something that. By I, the way, that's what we're leading this podcast with. It's going to be <laughs> Molly Miller. I haven't lost a lot. <laughs> that's actually that's actually a good little that's such a good little little munch. Um, are you are you? I I find most hoopers, and you're still a hooper, are very specific about their headphones. Are you? No, I don't even, I don't really like headphones. Like I don't like music that much. The only thing I use headphones for is like game film. Cause I do like a lot of coaches don't like watching game film with sound. I like watching game film with sound, but I mean, I'm a mom. I don't have time to listen to much. And my family travels with me. No, but when you're, so when you're listening in the game, you're just whatever, whatever headphones or you're like, I got to have, a, okay. No, now when you're running in the morning, you don't listen to music. Um, so I have this clunker of a phone. And so I have a little butt buddy that I run with, but I don't do headphones. Fanny pack. You can say fanny pack. It's okay. <laughs> so you don't listen to music? Um, no, I do listen to music, but I put this in my little fanny pack. And okay, so like Midwestern girl, it's got to be hard rock, right? Is it hard rock or you listen to hip hop? Like what is the... Kind of like a top chart, top 40 type. Pop. Yeah. Pop. <laughs> Whatever and the kids, that's what's great about this job is I know I get keep, I like I keep getting older every year, but they stay like 18 to 22. So oh, like, it keeps you young. No. Like that. Right. And if you go to the gym or in the locker room, or the weight room, you get caught up on all the hot songs. You're like, okay, I'm good. And then I play them and Derek's like, what is this? I'm like, the kids are listening to it, Derek. Just <laughs> it's the now. <laughs> yeah. Some of it's not great, not, but you don't want to be that. You don't want to be like, feel super old when you're like, God, this is terrible. But, no, but I guess that, you know, they're all talking like, I'm going to be in my feelings, coach Miller. Cause the Dell soundtrack is coming out. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> um, What's the ceiling for GCU? I this is a championship caliber place already. We're gonna and continue to recruit. I think it's a great place to recruit too. It's a great education and a great school. Like initially, it's top twenty five in the nation, and that's both academically and athletically. Um, I think this we can win championships. I mean, you look at NCAA championship. You can win it at Grand Canyon. Yes, I mean, was Gonzaga saying that? 25 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, nope. I think it's kind of that model. Like we've got everything we need to be able to win a national championship. And I think the value of the degree um, is increasing. I think the presence of athletics um, are making a splash. I mean, our SID just told us we are number one in the country in fall sports win loss record. Like Grand Canyon, we're number one right now in fall sports, like with win loss records. So here we are. We, we're, we're right there. We can do it. How do you balance out that you like where you are, but, you know, you were reportedly close on the Baylor job. 
with the better you are, the more other people are going to come calling, right? Which calls into question some people when they're going to come play for you, like, hey, are you even going to be there? How do you balance that out? Yeah, I got asked that question at jury all the time. And, you know, I was I was there for a long period because I believed in what we were doing. Um, and if this is going to be the best, then here I am. And I believe we can build it to be the best. So I am not concentrated on, again, what motivates me is not level. It's not um, money. It's not um, status. That didn't, that I, I could have left jury four years ago if that was the case. Um, what motivates me is accomplishing goals doing it the right way with the recruits I want to be in behind people that believe in me. I'm here. That's I'm, this is where I'm at right now. Um, and if we can be one of those top contending teams and I believe we can do it and they believe I'm the person for the job, then let's go for it. And so I, I, I love it here. Um, my husband is on a golf, we you know bought a house on a golf course. He's like, I'm never leaving this place. So we're sold. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, um, the last thing is if you could change something about college basketball, women's college basketball, what would it be? I would, I would want to see more of it on a bigger platform. I think it's a great game. I think, um, but, but here, here lies the rub with, it, okay. Then I can make any money. You're going to lose money. Like it, it's not big, you know, I understand that there's the idea of uh, equal opportunity. But what comes first? The, the, the horse, the cart, the chicken, the egg, you know, I think with the exposure with the WNBA. So, right so, so, so tell me what to tell me what, expo- like what would be a reasonable, you're like more games on ESPN. ESPN? Yeah. I think they don't if, rate. if they get the glimpse, we've never really had like, Hey, they don't rate. look they're at our brand. Not- they don't they rate. Don't rate. It's not on there. You know, I think even with the, the Phoenix Mercury and the Chicago game, what was that million five? View? I mean, the viewership was it just keeps growing. Isn't that cause to show? Hey, the more we show this on ABC, on ESPN, the more and more the, the trend is upward. So, you know, you can gather those fans if they get exposed to the products. And but there just has I mean, like this, you know, it's the it's the OK, if we're if we're judging as equals, it's the same reason that why is Duke on all the time? Because they rate. It's not because anybody who's a top of CBS or ESPN or Fox cares about Duke. It's because they rate the schools that are on all the time. It's only for one reason. Right. It's the same reason that the smaller GCU's men aren't on ESPN a lot. And the issue is, it's like I do think that you could put it on in some bigger windows if you got major sponsorships behind it that want to propel um, women's athletics, women's basketball. Um, Just the problem with it is like, look, the men's game, the ratings are getting worse and worse in in the lower tier games. And they're trying the, the cost benefit analysis of sending announcers to a game or not like they're trying to cut costs as much as they can. Any, any different network, they're all doing the same thing. They're cutting how much they pay announcers. They're cutting how much they put people on site. They're cutting crews and camera crews. And that's for the games that rate better. There isn't the financial gain or windfall out there for putting the women's game on TV. That just isn't there. And that's the, that's the harsh reality of it. 
Um, that would be my pushback. Not that I don't want to see the women's game grow. It's just hard. You know, they, they've tried everything in their power to grow the women's NCAA tournament. And on some limited scales, it does grow. But on many, it does not because you don't have the U. It used to be you'd only watch if there's UConn because UConn. But then UConn got so dominant that nobody knew about anybody else. And now it's a little bit of a, of a potpourri and a lot of teams can win it. But I don't believe it's reflected as such in the ratings because there's just not the name brand resonance to it. Um, it's a hard one. But so you would put it on bigger platforms that that would be the one thing. Well, even utilizing, like you said, if we could get some sponsors like NIL, like if there's some things we can do for our student athletes um, with people that support women's basketball and can brand it, like use that to our advantage as well to get some, you know, kids at some schools like GCU that. You know, are some stars and and can capitalize on their brand. Um, I think we have to roll with that. You know, I, I'm not going to be one that's going to push back. I think you have to adapt with the changing times. And that's something that I think there's a lot of opportunities. It's a little bit like the wild, wild west right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I tell you. It's going to be regulated, but. But um, it's interesting. It's like the, the, the women who've been able to capitalize. You, know, you have the, the sisters who are at, uh, at Fresno, obviously. They're good players, but a lot of them are not the best players is simply two girls on Instagram and they, you know, they have IG followers. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? I mean, I know you want your kids to be able to explore that, but you also like, Hey, kind of need you to be a student and an athlete as well. Do you have any rules for your, 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 your girls? No, we haven't actually like got there. I think, what was it? June 1st, they came out with it. June 2nd might've been one of the more disappointing days across the nation for student athletes who didn't get that big endorsement deal like they expected. Um, but for me, I think the advantage, at least right now at our level is, hey, go back to your hometown and put on a camp. And as you know, a, a GCU women's basketball player, and you can keep all those proceeds being and, and benefit from you putting on that camp where you couldn't have before, you know? And so those are kind of the little things that I don't think are too harmful with the balance between being a student athlete um, and, a, or, you know, an appearance, if you want to be um, paid for doing a speaking engagement um, you know, those things right now, I think are a, a positive. I don't know if the bigger scale has really impacted that many student. I mean, there's just a handful that yeah. getting the big time endorsement deals, but those little things that where they can do some legwork on their own and kind of have that business mind. I think that's really healthy and a good thing. The goat women's basketball players who? <laughs> well, I'm in Phoenix. Like, Tarazi? can I argue with, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with it. She's amazing. <laughs> I think, She's amazing. Um, you know, I, don't, I, I'm anxious to see a, a lot of the young ones come. I, I do wish there was some expansion. I think there's a lot of good players being left out of the league, but uh, yeah, you can't argue with DT. I mean, I hope they bring game five back here, right? Do they play tonight? I think <laughs> so. We'll be tuning in to the, <laughs> the Suns get, or the Mercury game. Uh, okay. So you're hard 75. What day number are you? Um, 32. Look on my app. I think, um, yep. Day 32. And how's it going? It's, it's all right. The hardest part, like me and Doug talk about, it's like, you have to drink a gallon of water. So like, you're always like, right after I get done with this, like headed to the restroom. <laughs> um, the diet's pretty easy. The no cheats, the no alcohol, that's super easy for me. Um, so it's really like, I can get in that first workout. Sometimes I'm doing that second workout, literally like at 11 o'clock at night, but um, it's going. So you haven't, you haven't cheated at all. 
No, I, I'm too. So this one was built for me because I am a very, like if I, so you have five things to do every day and I, that my mentality is, okay, if I've done two, of course I have to do the other three. Like, like, so why would you do three and not do the other two? Or why would you do four and not do the one? So this is almost built for my brain, like my logic and way of thinking. This is the perfect kind of test for me and challenge for me. This has been awesome. Um, I got to come out and see practice. I've seen the practice film. Open invite. Love, love what you guys are doing. And I love catching up. And I didn't, I'm not trying to in any way uh, hurt the core of women's basketball. I just like, <laughs> if we have the realistic, it's the, it's the women's national team thing. It's like, yeah, you guys are great, but you know, it's like, it's all based upon money. Right. No, and I if you're it. making I, more, I totally get it. I totally get it. But I do think we have a pretty good product in women's basketball. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't would debate that, but it's like, uh, you know, when they tried to do the neutral side thing, obviously in the early rounds that, that, that didn't work. And I do think that it's, it's a little different now. I think that I kind of, I've always thought an idea would be, could you do the, before the men's game, does that do an injustice to the women's game? Obviously it would hurt you financially at a place like GC where you have people who actually pay for, you know, I don't, you know, and I know men's coaches like, man, I don't want anybody in my court, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I, I think finding inventive ways to grow it. Yeah. I think integrating the two tournaments is not a terrible idea. I liked the same site last year. I thought that was cool. I still think you should do that in Vegas and have men's and women's both in Vegas at the same time would be amazing. Yeah. Um, there's diff- different ways to work it, but I don't know if like everybody wants TV, 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 TV. And the reality is the other side to it is, again, even for my is they're cutting everything in terms of cost. Where's the cost benefit analysis? Unless you have a gigantic, you know, Nike says like, hey, look, this is important to us. Yeah. You know, or Adidas with their new Candace Parker ad campaign, right? This is important to us. And they put a, put a game a week on TV in prime time, and we're going to give you a bunch of money to do it. That is the way you get it done. That'd be cool. <laughs> Have a great day. Go to the restroom and uh, <laughs> make sure you dominate Greg in uh, the hard 75. I will. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Wasn't that fun? Right. Don't you wish all basketball coaches could be that enjoyable? <laughs> Just an enjoyable person. Good person. Mom of two. Wife. Coach. Former player. And now it's, it gives you a reason to watch Grand Canyon's women in Check their check their their scores. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and look, we're open to all guests. I have some different ideas for guests as well. We're going to throw them on the pod. We're going to have some fun with it. In the meantime, remember to listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, three to six Eastern, twelve three Pacific, on your iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM two hundred seventeen or two hundred three. And of course, you can download the podcast wherever you download this podcast for the Doug Gottlieb Show. In the meantime, remember to write a review and download, subscribe, and rate this pod. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.